welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. Uh, Matt Dudek, who you usually can find at Horizon, Matt will not be joining us today. So instead, we've got John Parker. Hey, Bob. How's it going today? Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, John, <laughs> of course, you can find at JJParker084. You can follow us on Twitter as well at HorizonRT. Follow us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com, on Facebook at HorizonRoundtable, and of course, be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. John, um, we'll get into kind of the, the semantics of the weekend and all the goings on and all that good stuff, but we finally have a formula for the tournament seating from the conference. Yeah. We got it. We actually do have it. So we alluded a little bit to this last week, but now we for sure have a format, a formula, a a a good idea of what exactly is going to take place during this during the Horizon League tournament. And by the way, the Horizon League tournament, they're starting it earlier than I've ever seen them. They basically are starting it at campus sites on February 25th, so like 5 days after the conference schedule is over. They're going right into it. They're going right into the conference schedule. So February 25th, they're going to have the first round games, which are going to be seeds 5 through 12. Higher seeds are going to be playing, are going to be hosting the home games. So that much we know. Big incentive to be a top four finisher this year in the conference. Because the top four teams get a single bye and they get a home game in the second round. And that takes place on March 2nd. And then those final four teams, they're heading to Indianapolis. They're still going to Farmers Coliseum. So for the 8th, so Monday the 8th and Tuesday the 9th, the same as we've usually, and we've done every single year, March 8th. Final four teams play March 9th, final game on ESPN. Seems simple enough to me, at least. <laughs> at least that part does. Yeah. Now here comes the complicated part. And it shouldn't really be that complicated, but it just seems like it on, on paper. So obviously, because of everything that's gone on, there is going to be a new formula for determining the seeds in the conference tournament. So this is according to their release. And I'm quoting them directly. Due to the unbalanced nature of the Horizon League schedule because of COVID-19, the season championship will be seeded utilizing a formula that considers four factors. One, league winning percentage. Two, strength of schedule. Three, weighting road wins versus home wins. And four, number of league games played. The HL will provide a weekly updates on seeding after each weekend's game and will announce the final seeding for the championship after the end of the regular season on Saturday, February 20th. So during their weekly release, presumably, we will see the seedings all play out. But at first glance, I will mention one thing, that the top two teams, Cleveland State and Wright State, as it stands right now, are going to be are already it looks like the way they they can neither of these teams can finish worse than eighth place in the conference they could both collapse spectacularly and they would still be guaranteed a home game 
in the first round, maybe even the second round. That's how this season has gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and and the one thing I'm I'm hoping that there is a pretty heavy emphasis on you know the games played aspect because. I know Cleveland State got their one of their series swapped out for a per, for a Purdue Fort Wayne game, which they um, will do again, by the way. Right, right. Um, so they're going to end up playing Purdue Fort Wayne twice, and if yes. the league decides that that is worth punishing them for, if they do finish ahead of Wright State in the but standings. But see, here's the thing, though: that's... both of those games are on the road. <laughs> All four of those games are going to be played at Purdue Fort Wayne, so they're all going to be road games. Yeah, my so hope would be that it doesn't end up punishing a team that actually plays all the games. I'm hoping that, you know, between what you're saying now with the road games and with um, with playing all the games. Like, if you played your whole 20-game schedule, yeah, that should probably take precedence, just given what the league's got going on where – I mean, to be totally honest, teams three through 12 are pretty interchangeable. Of course they are. Now, here's the thing, though. With with Cleveland State and Wright State, as it stands right now, just taking the one factor in there. First, uh, the league-winning percentage, obviously, Cleveland State has it. Number of league games played, it's kind of a wash. Uh, Strength of schedule, I mean... That's, you know, you can argue, especially on the non-conference side, you can kind of argue a little bit on that one. But as far as road wins versus home wins, and this part is important. So Cleveland State has, as it stands right now, as far as road wins and home wins are concerned, Cleveland State and Wright State, Cleveland State and Wright State, I believe, have the same amount of road wins at this point specifically in the league the one road loss that cleveland state has is against wright state and cleveland state beat wright state on the road the road loss that wright state has is against oakland which is obviously as it stands right now a lower seed game also wright state has lost uh, both wright state and cleveland state has have an additional home loss but the home loss that Wright State has is against a much lower-seeded Youngstown State, where Cleveland State has lost to lost to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's still kind of in mix for that top four. So, as of right now, I'd, I, I guess we have to wait until we see how that shakes out in the weekly release. And again, last six games of the season, literally anything is possible with these two teams. But as of right now, I would be very, very surprised if Cleveland State is not seated first in the, in this first round, uh, in this first round of formulations. I'd be very surprised, just based on those factors alone. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope you're right. I think, given even with everything going on, if a team plays all of its games, let that be the main factor. Exactly. No. Exactly. Um, what's going to be really interesting, of course, is how the seedings are going to affect the, the rest of the conference. I'd be very interested in seeing how that whole sh- all thing shakes out at the moment. Can they seed everyone else ninth? 
maybe. Everybody else, <laughs> like, you're all seated ninth. You, none of you get home games until we say so. <laughs> like, make them go play know. at someone else's home stadium, like Oakland and Milwaukee playing at UIC. We could do that. I don't know. Um, well, obviously, that's not what they're planning to do. But, I mean, <laughs> we want, we, what we want them to do and what they actually are going to do generally ends up being two different things. So that is problematic for us, of course. For them, they don't really care. Anyway, um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look, well, here's the other thing, too, and I also noticed this as well. Um, so... Depending upon how this weekend shakes out, by the way, Cleveland State it, it, Cleveland State plays Oakland this weekend. Wright State plays UIC this weekend. So theoretically, if everything shakes out the way it's supposed to shake out, Cleveland State and Wright State could clinch a top four spot next weekend. Period. Which would be good as far as, you know, the top two seeds go and as far as the bottom two seeds go man it's like ever they're all kind of everybody's kind of jumbled together so green bay Fort purdue fort wayne iupui youngstown state and robert morris are all you know from a from a gate from a percentage standpoint all of them are kind of similarly bunched together so i'm going to be really interested in seeing how they're seeded that way yeah could be something Going to be confusing as hell, but what do I know? Also, <laughs> going to be very interested in seeing who gets who gets seated higher, UIC or Detroit. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of basketball to be played as far as that's concerned. That is true. Yes, we are going to be fi- trying to figure. We're going to try to be figure. It's it, is it like it is every year? This happens every year. It's like the teams in the middle just. And just just keep slap fighting each other, <laughs> and we're on the losing end of it because we're trying to figure out who's who, especially you. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> but this is why the power rankings end up being like a day late and shit because you guys are just you know nobody really wants to figure out who wants to be for sure in the middle. That's the problem right and here. And it got so much worse this weekend. Yeah, like... no. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So, you know what, what, you know, John with his, you know, six-sided die over there is trying to figure, you know, r- trying to roll and figure out who's who. Yeah. Happy, I, guys. <laughs> I decided not to use up one of my weird ways to decide the rankings last week. So I've still got an extra week to do something dumb. Just this week, we're going to throw darts. This week, we're I, that's still in the, t- I'm in the cards. Well, let's see. Well, let's see. You already tried, you already tried phone a friend. No, no, you didn't do phone a friend yet. You did ask the crowd. Yep. Um, you haven't done phone a friend yet. Um, I was talking about it with one of the guys from out here, one of the guys from Mountain West Wire, seeing if maybe he wants to do their rankings and I'll do the Mountain West for a week, and <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But uh, let it, random people do our power rankings. Sure, let's let's go with that. <laughs> and it turned out about the same, I think. Um, no, oh, but no he, shit. I wonder why his first step was, okay. Didn't realize Purdue Fort Wayne and Robert Morris had joined. Not off to a great start. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we've, only talking, we've only been talking about it for how long now? Come on. Um, 
I, you know, I, I hate starting in the middle of the, you know, but, you know, but I actually start, hate, when I, I hate wanting to start in the middle of the, uh, the weekend, but what is going on with Detroit Mercy and when did they start getting good again? <laughs> so, and I had to look this up because apparently ever since they got out of, ever since Detroit Mercy got out of their, um, got out of their pause. And I have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. That ever since they got out of the pause, because obviously they were out for like two weeks, almost three weeks. It was wild. Ever since they got out, they're five and one in the conference. Yep. Um, they're five and one. And they I mean, sw- very they obviously. They, they split Oakland and they swept Youngstown State this weekend. Yeah, um, and a big, big, big part of that is Antoine Davis. Um, I know last weekend you talked to Kyle Craven about, you know, how there had previously been discussions about Antoine Davis not being a first-team all-league player. Uh, He must have heard us. That's what what had happened. That's my only explanation. He heard us. He's like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? I'm going to go average like 30 points a game. Yeah, I'll double down. I'll show show you. No, he wasn't. Two I'll and a half play weeks the best ago. basketball ever, and then you'll have to give it to me. <laughs> well, his shooting was adequate yesterday. But other than that, um, but yeah, two and a half weeks ago, I there was a solid argument that, hey, you can maybe squeak him on third team, but that's about it, assuming, you know, they they keep playing. The two big contributing factors, one, are that five and one record, and then two, yeah. he's been playing decently efficient to incredibly efficient basketball and just racking up points ever since. Um, Well, again, but the uh, the other part is too, that all the points in the world, if they're not winning, that's going to be an issue. And now they're winning. And now they're, they've won five of the last six and they have Purdue Fort Wayne coming up at Detroit. So there's another, there's a pot, there's the opportunity for two more wins. Yeah. I mean, the way they're playing, it would be my guess that they'll win it or they'll win. They'll keep winning. Um, I don't know. This, this year is weird. <laughs> oh, this year is weird, but yeah, but I mean, you see like near the end of the season, you see kind of the cream rising to the top and, you know, Antoine Davis obviously has decided, you know, you know he has made, he has made great strides to kind of really get over whatever the hell was going on with him at the beginning of the season. Because the beginning of the season, he wasn't – he was okay, but, you know, all conference? Uh, I don't know. Since he was off, and for a while, Bullcool was doing – he was their leading scorer. He was yeah. doing it on more – better efficiency, and he was doing other elements of the game better. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Davis fixed all of that. <laughs> Boy, did he. Absolutely. So yeah, and you know, and, and there were I, there were actually whole stretches of that. There were actually stretches of that game where he wasn't even playing. That's the you know, wrap your mind around that one for a minute. Well, so, I mean, they, they did on paper have a much more talented group this year. I'll I will say, um, I know Greg Campy mentioned it on his uh, radio radio show last week, and I'll agree. Living out in New Mexico in whack country. Um, Bull Cool kind of came out of nowhere. 
he he was injured the last couple of years, but Cal Baptist just moved D one. He was he was just a guy at a you know transitional D one school. So what he's done this year has been huge, totally yeah. out of left field. Um, kind of made up for Torian Thompson seemingly checking out. Um, Disappearing off the planet. We really thought that we were going to see a lot more of him, and we have not, like, at all. So, but, yeah. Um, well, one other thing, and this is also important, is that this weekend they didn't have no Waterman either. And they still won. Yeah. I, no guess, uh, I think Noah Waterman has an ankle injury. I don't know if he, uh, I guess his status is probably going to be to be determined for the Port Purdue Fort Wayne series. But I guarantee you, I'm going to, I'm going to venture to guess we see him for the Cleveland State series on the 12th and the 13th. Goes without saying on that one. <laughs> I would um, hope so. Yeah. So, but on the flip side of that, and this this is has to be very disturbing for Youngstown State fans right now. The downward spiral continues. What are they gonna do to stop? I mean, I mean, this is this is incredibly bad for them right now. They're four and ten in the conference, especially when everybody was so high on them this year, and. I, I was just, I just still continue to look at the standings and just look and wonder in awe how everything just went off the rails so badly for Youngstown State. And it's not like, and it's it. I don't know if it's just bad luck because the most, a lot of these games that they've lost are not well. Aside from getting blown up by Wright State, and every, everybody seems to be doing that at least once this year. It the close losses are killer. They have been killing them all season. I mean, half of those ten losses are you know games that they lost by I think less than six by less than two possessions. I mean, and for me, I see two things there. One, um, obviously, Darius Quisenberry we thought was going to be one of like the top three players in the league. I think most people felt that way, and. He's been out frequently. He's been out for most of their games. When he has been in, he hasn't been at that level, presumably because he's been injured. Um, the other thing I see is they were kind of on the the winning side of a bunch of close games last year. So this is just kind of regression to the mean. Um, and they don't get Milwaukee, who chokes away close games. So... <laughs> With That's the noted exception of the Cleveland State game last week. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that all day, but I figured we'd we'd talk about this week's games. Well, this week's games wasn't any better. I mean, uh, okay, so so I have figured that I have finally figured this out with Cleveland State. I have finally figured this out with Cleveland State, and it is it is not their fault. They are a sports team that resides in the city of Cleveland. <laughs> and if you are a sports team that resides in the city of Cleveland, you are genetically predisposed to give your fans heart attacks every single time. <laughs> the Browns do it. The Indians do it. The Cavs did it. 
well, not so much anymore, but the, the Cavs did it, especially in 2016. And Cleveland State is also doing the same exact thing. It is you if you live with if you're if your team resides within the your team resides within the within the confines of downtown Cleveland, you are going to make your fans crazy. <laughs> that is what you do. That is what you did against Milwaukee last week when you frittered away in what was it, an 11-point lead? Uh, 12th with 2.46 to go or something? Yeah. You did that, yeah, and, and, and it came to burn you. Yes. You did it again on Saturday when you frittered away an 18-point lead. But then you, thankfully, you did finally write the, you did write the ship, thankfully. But, Yeah. I, I'm, it is. It is apparently you. If you if your team plays in downtown Cleveland, <laughs> and you are you are your team is primarily residing in downtown Cleveland. If your home games are in downtown Cleveland, you are absolutely. It is. It is a given that you're going to give your fans fits. The only difference is this is Cleveland State, and we haven't had this issue lately. We just lost for years, so nobody cared. Now that we're doing it, now we're now we're getting back. Cleveland State is getting into the mix. Now, now they're just like everybody else. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, looking at the standing, it's a good thing. It doesn't make it less crazy. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I, I read all about on Twitter, all of your fans like, this team is awesome, terrible, awesome, terrible. <laughs> Yeah, that's because they're yeah, um uh yeah, let me go ahead and not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um we 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 have, we have a yeah, it's funny because we yeah, and by the way, again, no uh, no difference between Cleveland State Twitter and Browns Twitter, Indians Twitter, Cavs Twitter, the only difference is volume. It is more pronounced within Cleveland State Twitter because we barely have any fans. <laughs> More considerably more pronounced, and for considerably more navel gazing. So, so we 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 our expectations as a Cleveland State fans is we're just expecting the other shoe to drop. Where, you know, Browns Twitter, you know, we we can live in glorious delusion for weeks, so weeks and weeks on end. So, we have no pre we we have no presuppositions in, 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 as Cleveland State fans. But they're twelve and two. They're at the top of the standings. Um, they've got Oakland coming up this weekend, um, and I know what's going to happen with Oakland. I know, I know, Rashad Williams hasn't been playing all that. You know, has been kind of not great all season. It hasn't mattered because he's got Jalen Moore. But I think you know, Rashad Williams loves playing against Cleveland State because it's he wants to exact even more revenge on them. I guess. No Hugo Ferrer. To, uh, I'm very. I doubt very highly that you're going to see Hugo Ferrer on him this weekend. <laughs> so we don't need that embarrassment again this week. Um, but yeah, it is. Oakland has been again. Oakland has been very surprising. I mean, I, should we be surprised though? Should we really be surprised at Oakland? Don't they do this every year? Just like everybody's mixed in the middle every year, shouldn't we be surprised? That, should we not be surprised that Oakland is doing the same thing they're doing every single year? As far as what? As far as you know, playing a bunch of buy playing a bunch of buy games, losing all of them, and then going into the going into the conference and doing pretty decently. 
Oh yeah, Seems no, like do I mean, they every season. I mean, so, yeah, no, not at all. By the way, I also like to point out the fact that I'm as I'm looking at the standings, UIC is doing exactly what UIC UIC under Luke Yaklich's in Luke Yaklich's first year is doing the exact same thing as Steve McLean, UIC did under Steve McLean, which is be 500. Being slightly over 500. Yeah. Um, but I should say, oh, I will disclaimer this, though. They're, they are slightly over 500, but they had a completely, but they've got a completely new backcourt. Yeah, they had to rebuild everything. Um, I mean, I, I can't. Definitely not going to make a call that Yaklich and McLean are comparable at this point. Obviously, this season. I don't you know. know what? It's well, to, to 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 the extent of where the team was before Yaklich took over, is again they didn't have you know we didn't know what was going to happen with Rob Howard. We didn't know what was going to happen with Braylon Bridges. Well, we knew well Braylon Bridges and Jaylen, Jamie Hale and Michael Dickens were the kind of the only core parts we knew we were going to they were going to get back. We didn't have it. We had no idea what was going to happen with anybody else. And then all of a sudden, and by the way, um, and I know you know. Now, of course, maybe this weekend wasn't a great example because they did get swept. <laughs> and by the way, that 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 last the the last second shot from Bryson Langdon was uh, out just insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah it, yeah we we spent and Northern Kentucky is another team that has a lot of question marks, as they generally do because you know. But again, they're seven and five in the conference too. So I mean, makes sense of that when they're on a four-game winning streak. So I don't know. It the the question that the question that we can and again, by the way, you probably already already also seen this because Cleveland State and Northern Kentucky have a well, maybe Northern Kentucky is a little more pronounced. Where they're great, they're terrible, they're great, they're awful, they're great. Yeah, it's a roller coaster with Northern Kentucky, major roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, they're a young team that didn't have a lot of time to gel. I don't – it's – I guess kind of my whole thing is it's impossible to take anything away from this season. Um, this is – The most confusing season ever? Yeah, hopefully this is going to be a one-off. Hopefully everything will be, I don't know, a little bit more figured out in nine months or ten months or whatever. I think it's going to be even less. We, I, the, the question we're going to have in the offseason is who's going to take advantage of that extra year of eligibility? And I'm not sure how much of an issue it's going to be on the men's side. Um, I think for a lot of these guys, going and making you know significant paychecks is probably going to win out over one more year because – Generally, you know, one more year of, of say you're a fifth year senior, you take a sixth year, you're not going to get be more likely to be drafted with an extra year. Typically, um, I mean, to be. And if you're if we're being honest, a lot of the, the, the opportunities are going to be overseas. But so I, I see your point where you're going to see a lot of the seniors, especially the ones that, you know, the you know, the 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 Jalen Minnettes of the world and the Al Eichelbergers of the world are probably going to look at. Well, I could see Al coming back just because he hasn't been the same this year as last year, 
that's, uh, he, that's he was actually it. yeah I, I will say this he, he was definitely he was definitely on yesterday yeah he was absolutely I mean you could see how much of you know, you could see how much of a difference he made in that game yesterday which and, is weird because you know because Green Bay really only has like the one you know a hand a couple of big guys you know Terrence Terrence Thompson and you know that and Kirchman maybe. I mean, yeah, Ryan Claflin, sort of. I mean, oh. I mean, sort of. Um, I don't know. I was starting to freak out because Terrence Thompson was shooting three pointers and actually hitting. I'm like, oh god, not another one. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but but you see that. But you see with like, but yeah, you can you can probably see. It. Maybe I'll. I mean, uh, maybe I don't know. That's a good question, but you know, for yeah, Kyle, Al, for, Big Al is probably the highest profile senior that I think would come back because if he plays like he did yesterday for the next six games, he'll have seven nice games of tape. Whereas if he comes back for one more year and plays like that for a whole year, he'll have a whole year of tape. That that one I could see just because you know the the injury seems to have really taken a toll on him. Um, yeah, he, he was moving a lot better yesterday, though. Yeah, he, he's really capable of being a star player in the league and hasn't been physically in a position to do that, it seems. Well, the other question, and I mean, so I'm not really familiar with the rules. So what are exactly, how does that work exactly? Because you also have those players that are coming in uh, so you yeah, got the players who are signing. How does that work? It my is, understanding it, is they're not giving out additional scholarships for that. So it's just, hey, figure it out. Fit fit them in where you can. Um, it's going to be a weird one. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. But again, from, from, a, from a standpoint, like, so for, in the case of IUPUI, I, I, I see Marcus Burke leaving. Yeah, uh, he. I think he. I think he saw what he could get. I mean, I think the off season where he was, he declared himself for the draft. He pretty much made. You know, he he got a lay of the land, and I don't think he's going to wait another year to, you know, figure it out in the G League or overseas or anything like that. Same thing with Jalen Manette. Same thing with Elijah Goss. Those guys are probably going to go. Um, you know, seek a paying opportunity overseas. I don't think you're going to wait an extra year to do that. And I wouldn't if I were them either. Yeah, no. Um, so my thing is like the top guys, I don't think are coming back. The end of the bench guys, I think yeah. are not coming back for a different reason. Um, I, I think that's going to be more, hey, you had your shot. Um, the, the middle of the pack could be where you have some guys where, I mean, I'd love to have like Josh Thomas back at Milwaukee for another year. He might have opportunities overseas, even though he's really struggled from the three point line. Um, But if, if, you know, those didn't materialize in the way he wanted, I'd love to have him back for another season. Yeah. But T John Lucas, I think my dream of, Pat Baldwin Jr. committing and then turning around and recruiting Tijon Lucas might be a little bit more of a fever dream than something that might uh, I think it really is, but again, but to be fair, to be fair, you still have DeAndre Golston. And DeAndre yeah. Golston has has really grown into the player. I'm assuming you expected him to be. 
at this juncture because he has surpassed the last, it. Few, um, the last yeah. few games. He is uh, the last few games. He has absolutely been pivotal for Milwaukee to avoid the Pat and the Pat Baldwin Milwaukee meltdown. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's overblown. Um, anyway. <laughs> it's overblown this year because they're actually doing pretty decently, and they've to their credit, they've obviously have the components to avoid. That you know, well, a late season collapse. They I have mean, now. You have you have a, a DeAndre Golston to go with a Dijon Lucas. So if one of them is off one day, the other one can pick up the slack. Ideally, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, down the stretch, they have you know this weekend against Northern Kentucky, the weekend after that against Wright State, the final weekend of the year against Oakland. If they lose to three teams above them in the standings, are we, you know, three of the four teams with winning records besides them in the standings right now, are we going to consider that a collapse? Or can we admit, like, hey, yeah, they just played teams that actually had their crap together? Um, Oakland is probably a little better. Uh, Oakland and Milwaukee are pretty – I think they're pretty evenly matched at this point. Um, So I can see them – the Northern and Northern Kentucky is also kind of uh, Northern Kentucky. Yeah, I, I don't think there's too. a huge huge gap there, but if they go zero and six there, instead of one and really, five, see, but that's the thing. There's not. I don't see a huge gap between Milwaukee and Northern Kentucky, and I don't see a huge gap between Milwaukee and Oakland. Wright State is probably going to be a wash. <laughs> yeah, if right. we're being honest, Wright State is probably going to be a wash from Milwaukee. It won't but be on I, TV. So wait, wait. Oh, that weekend might be. Hey, if maybe. we're on TV, we'll see. <laughs> But when you look at when you look at where Northern Kentucky is, where Oakland is, and where Milwaukee is, you see, and you can see where all three of those teams can go swing one way or the other on the pendulum. Yeah. You could see, you know, you you could see them splitting. You could see, you know, you could see Milwaukee and Northern Kentucky splitting. But at the same time, you could also see it swing one way where Milwaukee gets a sweep, or you could see it the other way where Northern Kentucky gets a sweep. We saw it last week. We just saw it with IUPUI. Yeah. They're I mean, doing that. I'm sorry. Was it IUPUI? Was that? Yeah. We played IUPUI this weekend. It was a split. It was a split. Yes, it was a split. Um, and, I mean, that would have been the one when Matt was talking last week about I'd be shocked if any team went 4-0 and against the same opponent this year. Yeah. That would have been the one where I think maybe it could have happened. Um, well, I don't know. I, honestly, I guess it depends on. I don't know. If Jared Godfrey can't get right for Purdue Fort Wayne, I could see Cleveland State doing it. Uh, hey, don't 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 sell short my man Bobby Planudis. <laughs> don't you do that. And but also Jalen Pipkins has been playing really well lately. Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, but do they this play whole, to the this whole flop, this whole uh, tail off for for Purdue Fort Wayne coincides with Jared Godfrey not playing the way that he started playing in Horizon League? Um, it's very yeah, this is true. So there is that. But again, at, to everybody else's point, yeah, if, to to win all four games. In a, in the series is damn near impossible. Oakland couldn't do it against Oakland couldn't do it against Detroit Mercy. Milwaukee couldn't do it against IUPUI or vice versa. I can't remember. Yeah. And now you have Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne. 
Cleveland of all the teams that could that have the best chance of doing it, Cleveland State is. But still, it is a fifty-fifty proposal at best. I'm saying that with a twelve and two team. <laughs> I don't know why I need to do that. See, this could be, this See, could be for the number one seed. Damn it! <laughs> People have been like. Well, how can you not have faith in Cleveland State? How can you not have faith in Cleveland because State? Because they are a when sports they... team that is based in Cleveland. That's why. And from the outside looking in, when they give up a 12-point lead in two and a half minutes, when they give up a 35-point game lead and have to sweat it out against Purdue Fort Wayne the first time, like, yeah, they – it's almost like they have a point in the game where they just – you know, for all of the buckle down, get it done, uh, coaching mantra, they just kind of go, okay, we're, we're done here. Like it's over. We've done enough. And theoretically, yes, they're right, but it almost burned them. Uh, or it did burn them last weekend. It almost burned them again this weekend. Um, they are very technically right. They are just under like, okay, this is the exact point we need to play into play to. And then, we're, we're checking out, and some fluke three-pointers just buried them last weekend. And other than that, they've been able to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, they, yeah, that, to, to Dennis Gates' credit, he does, he does at a certain point in time during the game say, get these guys together and say, hey, get your shit together. We got to finish this game. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but um, – that that is what seems to happen, especially in the last couple of minutes of the game. Obviously, it didn't happen against Milwaukee, but I mean, it happened with it happened every other time. Because um, remember, also too, they were down they were down a little bit to Wright State too on national TV, and they pulled that game out too. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it, yeah. Again, it's crazy. We're talking about a twelve and two team like this, but we are. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, Wright State apparently has decided we're, we're done screwing around with this whole, you know, lose a game, win a game by a bunch thing. Now they're just going to win the game, win games by a bunch now. <laughs> well, except for they won a game by less than ten points. That hasn't happened since the non-league schedule. Well, yeah, no. For, now, to be fair, this was against Robert Morris, who did not have AJ Brahma. This is probably as close as it as Robert Morris is going <laughs> to get was to, there. to winning. And then, this was their yeah. TV game choke, and it was just too mismatched? Okay. Yeah, it was just too mismatched. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yes. All right. That's what happened. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know the whole all the particulars behind the why A.J. Brahma wasn't there. Um, it did travel with the sounds team. like, well, it sounds like the issue that is kind of, it sounds like it's COVID-19 related my, is my guess. Um, just based on what they said, you know, a having it. Well, well, I mean, it was a, an actual reporter who called it a shutdown for AJ Brahma. So. Okay. I'll, well, I'll I, I just point, I pointed, I point this out because we have Robert Morris playing Youngstown state next weekend. And, I have been very much looking forward to the AJ Brahman Nasbo Hannon matchup. And if I'm denied that, oh, I'm gonna be very upset. Yeah. I'm gonna be oh, super no. upset. Oh. I'm gonna be yeah. yeah, I'm, that, I'm, would I'm, be, I'm that would be very disappointing. I I'm with you. That that's that should be a very fun one. Um 
now this weekend, this last weekend, notwithstanding, because obviously a lot of people have not a lot of a lot of teams have not had very good luck with with uh, with, with Wright State this year. Um, aside from the three teams who did beat them already once, but then paid the ultimate price and getting beaten like they stole something. It was terrible. Um, but for Robert Morris, I, it seems like we just kind of oversold them. And I don't know why, because they do have a, they have a very talented lineup. It just has not, the transition has been very, very rough for them. Yeah. Um, I think, and I don't know what it. I I I I don't know what it. Be. Could it be because of the COVID? Because they had to shut down early in the season because of COVID. They had to shut down some games because of COVID. It seems like that whole thing has been a real issue for them, and it's. I think it's affected them more than a lot of these other teams. Yeah, it sounds like in general, you know, Detroit Mercy, notwithstanding, uh, teams that well. Yeah, teams that have been getting shut down by COVID have typically come back kind of sluggish. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that's what happened to IUPUI when they started. Because they didn't even have – I'm pretty – Did I, I think IUPUI had one, one non-conference game that whole yep. entire time. Yep. And then they didn't have anything else. Purdue-Fort Wayne had one non-conference game. Didn't play for three weeks, and yeah, the 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 outlier to that is is Detroit Mercy, who had the you know the two week shutdown because of the because of COVID protocol. They turn around and win five out of the last six games. Makes sense yeah. of that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're they're kind of the outlier in all of that, is my understanding. Um, I cannot remember who I saw it from. Let me, I'm going to go dig into the computer for one second. I, yeah. I might have a hunch. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the, the, but for Robert Morris, it, it's not been, it, it's not been great for them. Um, this is, this is probably a season they'd rather forget. <laughs> Cause this is, you know, you're talking about a team who has perennially been successful in the NEC, they turn around, get to the Horizon League. A lot of kind of intrigue, a lot of promise there, and it's just kind of fallen flat. So I don't know. It just seems like it's not worked out for them very well at all, which is too bad because again, they've got the talent. It's just you know, it, it just hasn't come together for them. So you figure out what you were figure out what you were looking for on Detroit Mercy. No, I thought it might be Rocco Miller who was talking about it, but it wasn't. Um, but yeah, someone brought up like the the statistics, college basketball wide, on teams coming out of COVID protocol relative to how they played before and after. Yeah. And I mean, most teams slump. So what Detroit Mercy's doing here is kind of wild. It might be because they, I don't know it. It might be. Well, the other thing too, I think the, the I think the issue was there was a couple of things there. One of them was more not necessarily. One of them was COVID related because I guess they had a uh, a, t- a top t- a tier one staffer who tested positive or something like that, and so they shut it down. And then I think the next week wasn't necessarily COVID related. It was just I don't remember what that was. 
But whatever it was worked. Yeah. So, because they're because they're five and one in the last six games, and they're kind of they're kind of rolling. Even even again even with uh, with no Waterman hurt this weekend. Yeah. So that's going to be very interesting to see. How, so it's going to be a so the. So I guess the big thing this weekend, um, we got to figure out what's going on. UIC is gonna we UIC Wright State always had a match of trouble with with UIC. This is like an annual thing for them. So I'm gonna be very interested in seeing how that whole thing shakes out this weekend. For all we know, the same thing will happen that's been happening the last three weeks. And by the way, I did not realize I I had to double check this. Lad Love had 34 points yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, he was outstanding yesterday, um, which was definitely a necessary bounce back from how he had played the the night before. But obviously, you know, they were able to get through that. No problem. Um, well, he didn't really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Friday night, they didn't really need him because Grandpa Silly was playing out of his skull. Yeah, Exactly. He didn't really need, and that's the thing about Wright State is if one one of the big guys is off, the other one's going to pick up the slack, and that's exactly what they did this weekend. Yep. Friday, Grandpa Silly had twenty nine points. <laughs> Saturday, Loud Love at thirty four. So obviously they had no problem. You know, they they we're, we're actually at a point where Wright State those guys are kind of interchangeable for Wright State, which is really scary, <laughs> not just for this year but for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially, I mean, they have such a young core that could just basically really do damage. So even if Loud and Love, you know, once Loud and Love graduates, and again, I think Loud and Love will probably fall in that category of a guy who's probably not going to wait a year to go um, go seek professional opportunities. Yeah, um, I don't blame him either. But they're not losing anything. There's not going to be a big drop off because you got Grandpa Silly who has not only been waiting in the wings, but he's also been playing right, right beside him. So my yikes. only thing is I think they need, um, a few more hits in recruiting. Cause obviously they've been playing with a seven man rotation this year. Um, yes. if you take loud and love out of that equation. Yeah, I mean, they do have James Manns just sitting there not doing anything. That's the part I that, see. That's the part I don't understand because you have James Manns who can, we know can score in bunches, but we don't see him all that often. Um, it seems like they're they're kind of trying to, and they're not even in it. You know, he's kind of been that last you know last few minutes of the game. The one the one player they came seem to try to start easing in is Wellage, not James Manns, Wellage. Because you're yeah. seeing him on the floor um, way before James Vans. And I guess my only thing is last year, I mean, the big part of the reason I I called uh, Grant Basile, you know, a potential breakout player is that formula that Luke Wynn came up with uh, like over a decade ago to figure out who are potential breakout players across all of college basketball. Yeah. And he was the one guy who checked all the boxes, you know, with – seniors graduating and with his offensive efficiency and with his willingness to take shots, he was the guy and that panned out beautifully. I can understand why he's working in the NBA right now. Um, there you go. But the whole thing was last year. He was, you know, outside of when loud and love got injured. He hardly, he was just a guy on the bench. He was one of those guys who statistically, probably wouldn't have he he might have snuck on 
to the all freshman team this year. Um, he would have been in the running for the last spot yeah. instead of like solidly the third guy behind um, Amari Davis and Tanner Holden. Sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you look at, but if you look at right states, I mean, again, loud love's the only one. Um, I mean, you could see you you. I, I could see why they're kind of just easing in Wellage in there. He's only a freshman. Um, I mean, maybe next year you see a little bit more of Andre Harris, but probably not because you still have Trey Calvin and Tanner Holdem in front of him. I could see why they where they could kind of integrate Wellage in. Tim Finke's coming back next year. I mean, again, the only big piece for next year is Loud and Love. I mean, it's a big-ass piece, but when that big-ass piece is can be you – know, you you have that big hole to fill with. I think they're still you're filling be, it with Grant Vasily. Yeah. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, I, th- I think they're still going to be right up there. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it. I think we've uh, I, I think we've kind of exhausted this. I think you know. All right. Real so quick. The, the, yes. Player of the year guesses since we didn't have the um, the after shows this weekend. Um, I'm going player of the week. Sorry. Did I say year? um, Antoine Davis? Yes. Uh, Trey Townsend. Those are easy. Yes. I'm going to go Carissa Garcia for Northern Kentucky, who I, I hate to say it did sweep Milwaukee. Milwaukee was 12 and 0 coming in and got swept. Um, much to the chagrin of Northern Kentucky fans. They still haven't played enough to make the power rankings, but um, fantastic weekend for them and for her. Obviously, you know, they probably don't care as much about the power rankings as about the, you know, postseason. Yes. Um, and then I'm going with Neka Obiezar for Youngstown State as freshman. I'm going with you on that one. Okay. <laughs> You're just going to take my word. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. So, um, yeah, so and we're not doing we're not going live next weekend. And thanks UIC for your eight o'clock starts. Um, <laughs> Horizonroundtable.com. That's where you can find us. All of our stuff, as always. We're wherever podcasts are available. So be sure to subscribe, and you can pull us up on your on our Amazon on your Amazon or Google devices. And uh, until next week, thank you all for listening. <laughs>